Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, my name is Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX. In this series of episodes, we're finding out what it's really like to move to a big city and get a first job as a runner in a VFX studio living on a tight budget. Here's what some runners at the mill had to say. I'm sitting here with four former mill runners and I'm going to hand over to my left and get you guys to introduce yourself before we start. Hi, I'm Harry and I'm an edit assist here at the mill. Hi, I'm Maya and I'm an assistant at the mill. Hi, I'm Nicola and I'm a 3D artist at the mill. Hi, I'm Kiri and I'm a treatment assistant in Mill Plus. Excellent, thanks guys. So we're here to talk about kind of broadly making it work in London. You know, we all know when you come in as a runner, and I wanted to dispel any myths from the get-go, is that it is a paid job, because when you come in as a runner, there's an assumption that it's kind of free labour and you're, you're doing it for the love, you know, you do get paid. But it's not a salary that's going to set the world alight any day soon. Um, and you're also expected to live around the corner, hopefully, and come into work on time and, and, and in one of the most expensive, probably the most expensive city in the world. So um, my first question really for you guys broadly and just chip in in whatever order you like to is, you know, how you, how did you get the job first? You know, how, what was your kind of entry into, into this role? How did you find out about it? Let's start with Katie. Um, so I had moved over to London previously on my placement year and I was working in a startup company, um, but it wasn't really related to this industry. So I wanted to find a way in. And I joined a website called Hive, which okay. was like for young creatives um, with networking events. And there was a networking event held here. Um, and I went along and just started speaking to someone from HR. And I, remember, I remember that one. Yeah. Came with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so it was great. Yeah. And just kind of asked lots of questions about the company. And then an opportunity kind of came from that. Okay. We'll come back to that. Um, what about you, Nikki? What was your opinion? So um, our university has an annual visit to London and the mill is one of the places we tend to, to visit and we um, have the usual tour of the building and get yeah. to know more about the industry and the mill in particular. Um, but we also get to showcase our work and that was really my way in. I, I got to talk to, um, it was Gareth at the time, yeah. and um, had a little chat about my work and what I wanted to do and then from that I got an interview for a run position here and one thing led to the next really. So. Yeah. That was my way in. Interesting. So already two very different ways in. You've yeah. got the kind of networking, kind of schmoozing, <laughs> keeping your ear to the ground, and probably, if you don't mind me saying so, a more traditional route in yeah, via, yeah. via the university Definitely. kind of pathway. It was kind of taken out of my hands. It was, it was able, a nice, easy route Excellent. down here. So. And the standard tour of the building, which yeah. we do a lot. Yeah. Let's get you around the table. Maya, tell us a bit about your route in. Um, I graduated with a BA in animation years ago and thought I could freelance afterwards in the North um, and couldn't get many freelance opportunities or any entry level ones. Uh, there were quite few and far between back then. So I decided to move to London with my retail job with Apple and climb the ranks a little bit to merchandising manager and then realised that I still wanted to get into the industry but didn't have enough time. So quit my job and worked in a pub in Fitzrovia and met a runner from the mill who suggested I attend the International Women's Day event. Oh yeah, of course. So I popped in for that um, and met the head of recruitment at the time. Um, and she gave me her email address and I explained I wanted to change industries and why. And then I was invited in for an interview, which was quite nice. 
Wow. So you're almost, almost a hybrid of, uh, of, of Katie and Nikki's journey in, in terms kind of... of yeah. <laughs> so the degree, the job, the, the networking. I did the rounds before I found the right place. Absolutely. Well, well-versed uh, for your role in, in talent now, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. First-hand experience of all the routes. How about you, Harry? Tell me a bit about your journey. Yeah, mine's slightly different. So I was working in retail, sort of wanting to get into the industry. I knew I wanted to become an editor and I got an introduction to Stephen Venning who works oh, yeah. in Mill Plus. Absolutely. So I came in one day and just had a chat with him and he sort of showed me around the building and I remember, I remember actually being in this room and him showing me like a lot of the work that the mill had done and yeah. I was like, oh wow, like, you know, this is a really cool place. I'd love to work here. And uh, a couple of months later I came in for an interview. Um, I didn't know it was an interview, I thought I was just coming to have another look around and uh, it was an interview and I got a job here as a runner and you know, the rest is history. So. Interviews are that informal. Yeah, it was, it was, it, but it was nice because yeah. I, I was, you know, I wasn't sort of like worrying about it beforehand. Mm. It was sort of like, boom, here we go, let's do it. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, so uh, how long, when, can you think about how recent have you guys run then? So who's the most kind of, you know, the seasoned kind of member of Mill staff, if that makes sense? You know, how, how long ago was it when you ran? Uh, for me, it was March, I started March 2015. Okay, so still pretty recent. Okay, what about you, Maya? Uh, I started April 2017. Okay. Yeah. Katie? I can't remember. I think I was, it was 2017, or was it before Christmas? No, I think it was January 2017, which is after Christmas for me. Okay. Yeah. And I was just after Katie, I think it was June 2017. What, June, yeah. June 2017? Oh, yeah. Okay, so still very Maya recent. Maya was after me. I remember it's 2017. March, April, June. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so Steve has just joined us. Hello, Steve. Hello, sorry. So we're live on air. So, um, Steve, tell us a bit about um, your route into the mill and tell us a bit about what you do now as well. Uh, yeah, I started in November 2016. Uh, and uh, yeah, I originally came to do uh, editing and um, yeah, uh, now I'm uh, eventually uh, works with, work, now work in tech ops cool. as a tech op. Thank you. Okay, so uh, so I asked that question about kind of when you guys joined as a runner because it's still got to feel relevant to the audience listening. And uh, we, we said at the start of the podcast that uh, you know we're here to hopefully dispel any myths about some of the challenges and uh, hardships of living in one of the most expensive cities in the world uh, on a pretty... Shall I say average salary? It's meagre salary, <laughs> pays the bills, afford to kind of, you know, get a pot noodle or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so um, did you guys have any concerns then about, you know, the move to London? Particularly, uh, can I start with you, Katie, in terms of coming all the way from, from Ireland? Yeah, um, definitely have concerns moving over. Um, I'd moved over for a, a different job, which is on a higher salary originally um, and then it didn't work out with that uh, my boss wasn't very good in okay. that kind of environment so I ended up having to quit that job and then got a job in a startup company so it was quite a like challenging period throughout that was my placement year mm -hmm. um, and then in my startup company job it was again a higher salary so I would saved up a bit of money to be able to afford to go onto the runner's salary and still afford my rent um, but I also knew that I kind of had a date to move back home 
so I didn't have to like afford a deposit coming up you know, okay. quickly. But then I moved back here to be an intern yes. just before uh, like September time there, 2018, which was going to be the same, a similar salary. Yeah. Um, so I spent two months over the summer working in a bar to, uh, or working as an intern in a studio yeah. and a bar at the weekends just to be able to save enough money to move back over. Okay, so you stockpiled lots of cash to be able yes. to pay the rent, right? Yeah. Good, exactly. and managed to secure your permanent role as well. Yes, um, in good role. time, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, I, the a question to all of you actually, I, mean, I was going to move naturally over to, to Nikki and, and those of you who, who went to university as well. So, you know, I assume, I mean, I went to university like a thousand years ago and left with probably about 500 quid's debt, but I hear horror stories about the kind of debt that people leave university mm. with now. You know, how do you kind of straddle paying, I assume, a rent in London? and having to pay off various kind of student debts. Is that a challenge? I mean, um, for me, the debt that I have isn't pay, isn't like, um, doesn't really affect me directly mm. right now. You you get sort of, is it after 25? A certain amount that you start earning and then you get yeah. Yeah. it. So it's, only, it's just a very tiny percentage of, of your debt gets paid back monthly once you start earning mm. over you know, a certain amount. So I haven't felt it's directly affected me mm -hmm. moving down to London, especially when I was on the wage when I moved down, that yeah. would be um, high enough to for me to start paying back debts. Yeah. So it's kind of sitting there for now. Yeah. And when I do start paying it back, it won't be significant amounts. It will yeah. take a while to pay off. And obviously the, the higher wage I end up being yeah. on, the more that will come out each month. But yeah. it doesn't seem to really make that big of an effect on you know, whether or not I could afford to live here yeah. and survive. So it's not as, I think it's quite daunting thinking you've got a lot of debts to pay off when you leave university. Yeah, you've got time. But it doesn't add up too much to be a worry. Yeah. You know, it's better to just kind of have an idea of what you want to do and go for that yeah. straight after university than worry about debts right now. So yeah, it's not healthy, good. is it? It's yeah. kind of park it. Yeah, yeah. so... It's not as, as big a problem straight out of university that I think you feel it might be. That's interesting. That's quite good. And you're the grads around the table who um, kind of share that view or, or not? Yeah, I think it kind of it just becomes like a bit like a tax, really, more than yes. anything else. Just like any other like national insurance or anything, it only kicks in when you're earning a certain amount a year. So yeah. sometimes it will drop off again if you're not earning that amount, and yeah. then it just kicks in again. Yeah. And yeah, you kind of just adapt and um, learn to just kind of accommodate for it. I mean, that'd be a wage each month. It's not a huge amount, yeah. like Nicholas says, really. Uh, I was lucky enough to get in before top of previous year before, so mm. mine isn't <coughs> as much as somebody's might be now. Yeah. But um, from what I hear, it's probably, it probably sounds like it's a similar situation, really. So not a huge issue then, necessarily. Mm. Um, so on this side of the table, then, any have you any concerns with you guys moving to London? No, Harry, you don't necessarily live in London. No, but so you do work I commute in. in the city. Where do you yeah. live? So I live near Cambridge. How's so that? It's, yeah, it's, it's about an hour and a half each way. So okay. it takes a little bit of time, but I think after a while I've gotten used to it. Um, but obviously what I don't pay in rent, I obviously pay in traveling. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could be, I think it's been this, more or less the same. It's gone up slightly each year, but it's roughly 20 pounds a day to commute in. So it's kind of, interesting. there is still an expense there. Um, even though, you know, as I say, I don't pay rent to live in London, 
I still have to pay to travel in each day. So if you're spending all that money, it's probably a personal question, so don't yeah, ask, go for it. Answer. But uh, you know, it, it, to spend all that money on travel, why not just jump into cheeky house share in London and save because, yourself? So the way, so going back to what we were talking about a second ago, so I came from A-levels, I didn't yeah. go to university, and yeah. part of my thinking was because I didn't want to be in the debt. Yeah. I just didn't want, I know obviously it wouldn't necessarily, like you guys are saying, hmm. wouldn't necessarily affect me on a day-to-day -day basis, but I just didn't want that sort of burden. That's fair. Um, so I did A-levels and then I kind of wanted to get into the industry. And then a similar thing with the, where I look at, you know, lots of people are saying, why don't you just like move to London, you know, like house share or something. And kind of where I look at it is, I'd rather save up a little bit of money and move, move out. Like hmm. probably, well, it won't be in London, but closer to London than, than where I am now, but then I'd actually have, you know, property. Okay. Um, so that would, that's sort of my aim. Um, it's yeah, a long way off yet, because I've got to save plenty of cash, yeah. but um, that's sort of what I'm looking to do. That's fair, that's fair. How about you, Maya? Um, in terms of concerns? Yeah, I mean, again, you, you talked about your interesting kind of hybrid route into the mill through various jobs and degrees and networking events and connecting with uh, our head of talent at the time. But actually, you kind of stepping into that role, did you have any concerns? Um, I, th I think it was more of a case of I felt like I couldn't really fail because as much as I love my parents, I can't live with them. Yeah. So uh, I, I enjoyed the independence and the adventure and the, yeah. the, the other side of things and the more social side of things. So for me, that was, that was a big drive. And so the concerns of being able to afford things, it's just about being smart with your money, with where you spend it and... And, you know, it's quite hard to say, and there's a lot of advice about saving money and it's quite tricky to do on such a low wage. Yeah. Because um, realistically, when you factor in things like rent and bills and food and there's certain things that you might socially want to do that's part of networking, um, then you, you know, it's quite hard to save, but um, you, you can actually manage. So it was just, a, there, there were concerns, but it's, you just have to be smart about it. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and being smart about it, is it just about money? Is it just about, because there's a bit of a theme running through this conversation around saving money where you can, whether it be Harry's example or even uh, your example, Kate, around, you know, pre-roll, just finding ways to stockpile cash so you've got a little bit of a kind of buffer when, when you start your roll. But is, is it just about money necessarily? I think, I think it's probably one of the most challenging things about moving here but it is worthwhile mm. I would say that because even though you are stretching and saving and feel a bit under pressure like the experience you're getting here is invaluable so for yeah. me it's definitely worth that effort and um, I know it'll not it isn't just about money in terms of in the future but totally. in, in terms of my career I'll have a much um, better trajectory if I make this investment now yeah. uh, rather than you know staying at home not necessarily but I would say for kind of what I want to do and that's what's quite nice about sitting in the room with you guys is that sacrifice you've all made has, has, mm. has paid off for me talking to you Kate, Casey you know I know that you came in during kind of a, you know vacation time during uni mm. and then was it uni or college uni, it was placement year placement year yeah, yeah. And then you kind of came to the intern thing yeah. and, and you, so you've run, you've interned and then you kind of got, yeah, got the gig and exactly. uh, same for, you know, I remember when Nikki came in, I remember Maya came in, Harry and Steve and uh, something quite nice about, you know, you guys are on your career path now. So as much as, you know, it's only, we're all still saving, I'm still saving, I'm still trying to screw money away kind of 25, 30 years later. Um, but in terms of expectation, um, I, got, I guess there's two questions in this is, you know, I'd like to know kind of what has gone 
uh, as expected for you guys now that you're kind of a good few years into your kind of current roles after running. And what surprised you? What have been the big kind of shockers? Start with Steve. Okay. Um, um, as far as gone what I expected, um, I think it was definitely as, as long as you know the right route to go and everything else and if you know what you want to do, there's definitely the help to get there through yeah. your career path and develop a okay. plan. Um, but I think what surprises you is once you're here, <clears throat> um, you think you know what you want to do and like for ah, example, right. yeah. I came into editing and now I'm training uh, to do Luke. Interesting. Um, so you, it, it's a case of um, not being scared to kind of say, I want to start something new. Don't yeah. feel like you back yourself into a corner. Um, like expect the unexpected of maybe wanting to do something else. Yeah. Um, as long as that company provides that kind of career path for you, nice. and uh, kind of throwing yourself into that. If you do change your mind, then you know be be aware that you are probably going to have to start from the bottom if it's something new that you've not trained in before, mm. and just have patience and not really kind of. Focus on yourself and not what anybody else is doing, or what other yeah. skill level anyone's at to work into a department, basically. Um, yeah, because everybody has a view of what they want to do, of course, yeah. right? Whatever kind of route you come from, uni, college, A levels, straight out work. Um, but rec recognizing that uh, all of our career paths snake all over the place, particularly a place like the Mill or any visual, visual effects studio. Uh, especially in the current climate where there's so much kind of new tech coming through, new ways of working, you know, whether it be what we do in Mill Plus or design or emerging tech, not just the traditional kind of 2D animation, 3D animation. Um, that's quite a, a good um, uh, eureka moment for you, Steve, so, so early on, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but <clears throat> again, it was, it was good that I managed to get into tech ops originally because it's still kind of, um, it provided a really good kind of... Um, sort of foundation for the knowledge and everything that I'm going to need for yeah. um, to, to get into the 2D, part, 2D department anyway. So there's still like transferable skills if, if you end up yeah. um, taking a step off in your first role as a junior or whatever else yeah. um, if you're looking to change up. And tech ops for the, the listeners, what is tech ops? Technical operations. What is that? Um, <laughs> oh, well, Lance is going to kill me. Top line, <laughs> sorry, we won't let him know. Um, so uh, a lot of it's quality control, right. um, a lot of it's supplying, um, we work with Beam uh, to supply. Uh, so I'm not sure what Beam is now, I've got a whole audience <laughs> well, who don't know what tech ops and Beam. Yeah. I think, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll save you, I'll yeah, save that you. Rabbit hole there. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the point you're raising is it's like that open mind and I think there's lots of departments within any visual effects studio where it's good to get a grounding of the basics in the foundation, which will help you understand the world of 2D compositing, 3D, you know, understanding the infrastructure is, is hugely helpful. Cool. Thank you, Steve. Uh, anybody else want to kind of throw anything else in around the expect the weight of expectation? You know, what was, what were the big light bulb moments when you joined that you didn't see coming? Anybody can take this. Um, I would agree with Steve in terms of you get to see like the mechanics of a company and where you might start in. But um, something that was really helpful for me was having a mentor oh, yeah. and having like um, a few different people to ask advice from and what they do and then also people to like identify your strengths and where you might be good in the company. Mm -hmm. So that's been really good at like my path's kind of gone all over the place since I've yeah. been at the mill because I studied 3D animation now I've ended up in the yeah. production side of Mill Plus to go more to kind of director's route. 
Yeah, um, nice. And that's through like just being curious and talking to people and you know saying what I enjoy and trying things and as Steve said, kind of being open to yeah being flexible about what you want to try. So I think it's really cool to be a part of a big company and have that opportunity. Yeah, I like that. And, and yeah, I'm glad you mentioned we're curious. I think she always, much to Steve's point, is just being open to yeah. what's out there. It's interesting you say you started as a 3D animator, once again to 3D animation, you've snaked all the way into the design team. Yeah. Whereas Nikki, you, I assume, wanted to be a 3D animator and you are a 3D artist now, right? So yeah. tell us a bit about your expectation journey thus so far. So I feel the, the main thing I was kind of worried about was was I going to be in a boat on my own with this kind of situation yeah. of moving down? I didn't know if I was going to be hired at the same time as other people that I could kind of come into running with. Um, and so, you know, starting at a new company, you don't know anybody. And yet here, the running team, you know, you realise that everyone's in the same position. Right. You know, the social aspect of, of being in London was quite daunting. I didn't really know many people. Mm. Um, but you meet so many people in the same positions as you, and even if you're not sort of the same career path yeah. of three D artists, two D artists, you know, you all have a very similar goal, and yeah. and so you know, it was just really refreshing that I immediately felt extremely comfortable, and a lot of the, the fears of moving down to London was being quite lonely or yeah, not yeah. having people to to help you. But most people were in very similar positions, so that was quite like a, a light bulb moment of. If I've got any problems, I can no doubt get the advice I need or yeah. support, which was which was quite nice. So I didn't have to sort of rely on friends and family who aren't down here to try and help me with problems that they were kind of out of their yeah. control to, to help with. So, it's a nice point, so that was really nice, I think, for me with moving down to London. So, so that yeah, I mean, I've always got the impression where with the running all the different cohorts of runners that have come through the mill. That, in my last six years here is that it's like the last gang in town there's a real like tight-knit group of yeah. and and, <laughs> and uh, everybody knows there's a look in the eye you know any runner because the mill's full of former runners right but yeah. you, you always know when somebody's been a runner right you always yeah. kind of you know you're in a conversation and you just see a little glint in their eye and it's like we ran before it's a thousand yards there yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never leave a mug on your desk at the end of the day yeah, yeah. everybody cleans up after a meeting yeah. right yeah. um but I mean, you've uh, actually, you know, all of your points so far, you've all talked about that support network. Mm -hmm. um, Steve, you talked about the support that you kind of almost expected when you, you expected to have development. And, and Katie, you talked about mentorship. And, and Nikki, you talked about, you know, that, that group of people who've got your back, not just managers, mentors, mm -hmm. and kind of the, the immediate team, but your, your, your crew, right? The running team who you all work with and you've all got each other's back. I mean, is that something, Harry and Maya, that you kind of resonate with? with that? Definitely, yeah, 100%. I think, you know, similar to what Nick was saying, it's like, when I started, I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of, uh, it is daunting. And then you come into the, like, the running team and there are people in the same position as you and you mm -hmm. sort of, yeah, you build like a good group of friends around you and it sort of makes the, well, you know, the job can be difficult at times. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be a bit of a slog and having those people around you makes a difference yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of how much you enjoy it and getting you through the day and yeah, yeah. if you want to ask someone some advice on something or you know, who you should talk to if you want to be doing some training then it's, it's great to have those people around you yeah, and what, I guess there's a nice source of advice there because there's usually at any one time or 24 runners in the building at any one time. Everybody's got their own specialism, discipline. It's like the Avengers or something. Everybody's got like, their own power. Um, but yeah, I mean, that must be quite nice, right? To be inspired not just by the training that you do with industry folk internally, but actually the, 
people that are all starting from the same point that you are, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I think as well, it's just you just got to remember that everybody is at a different like skill set, and not to get, not to think about where anybody else is and feel that you should be up to that point or anything. Yeah. Just to like focus on yourself and your own development. But yeah, like you say, yeah. there's like a whole team of people that are basically in the same boat, like Nicholas says. Yeah. You're all there to support each other. And the thing is as well, what you gotta remember is that you're all gonna probably work together eventually as you will go through the industry. Very Even true. if you don't stay in the same company. Yeah. Like be, you'll run with people that are in production and everything and they'll go to other companies and you'll you might come across paths again in the future. So it's always yeah. good to just kind of yeah keep that kind of um, good sort of network and have each other's back and sustain everyone's good graces and yeah, just, you know, just yeah, yeah, it like, enjoy it. It's a good point, Steve, I mean, and, and it's a small industry, isn't it? I mean, you think, it really you know, is, yeah. whether it be in London or in the UK or even in the US now and, and the wider world, I mean, I bump into former UK runners all the time and my memory travels around the globe. I'm not, I'm not a jet setter or anything. I sound like I'm some kind of, you know, worldly wise traveller. But, you know, I do get to go to the other mills and bump into former London runners who are doing their thing in Chicago, LA and New York as well. So uh, it's an exciting industry to be part of, for sure. Um, so if you guys could go back... I'm sorry, I left you out, Maya. Sorry, I can't leave you out. <laughs> Expectation. What's been the big kind of um, <laughs> light bulb moment for you? Um, or the big... Uh, yeah. You expected. I expected to learn lots and uh, I joined Mill as a 2D runner so yeah. um, I expected to learn lots meet different people I heard there's a lot of hard work to being a runner yeah. and to, to get to where you want to get to what I didn't expect is uh, to get pregnant whilst being a runner <laughs> on 18,000 a year <laughs> um, but that was uh, very interesting because through the running yeah. team I met my husband and have yes, a child now and a slight change in career path as well so instead of as a 2D um, artist, I'm now a talent assistant, so I get to see both sides of things, nice. um, from being a runner to now working in talent and yeah. hiring runners. So. And we have your husband here on the podcast, Steve. Here he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. But yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned it. I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm glad you did, because, you know, it's another factor, you know, life happens, right? It does, and you don't expect it. Literally, oh, life happens, another life happens. <laughs> Yeah, um, but you've made that work, right? Yeah, and um, a big part of that is the support you get um, mm. and the understanding. So um, instead of continuing on with my 2D artist career path, um, I have had a slight change, but it's not been um, in, a, in a negative way at all. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to use other skill sets that I've had from before I started the mill. Yeah. And the mill have been really supportive about that. So the, the industry... Uh, are pretty good at, yeah, at supporting changes of life as well because that's inevitably going to happen to most people at some point or another in their careers. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting that you say you, you fell pregnant when you were running and, and then you joined our team in talent during that transition, which was cool, right? I mean, yeah, it was I, I remember that period of time. interesting time. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Thank you for sharing that, Mike. Um, so my kind of last question to kind of start to bring the podcast to a close, or at least this interview to a close, is about advice you'd give yourself. So if you could go literally back in time in your kind of DeLorean to when you were starting out and thinking about a career in this crazy industry, you know, what advice would you give yourself? What would you tell yourself? Would you say don't change a thing or would there be a little nugget you might throw you away? I mean, I definitely tell myself, um, to not overthink and worry too far ahead because obviously it is quite worrying when you think of the cost of living in London but you could just keep going with worrying 
on top of worrying. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to sort of throw yourself into just doing. Yeah. And obviously, yes, you need to plan beforehand the small things about where you're going to live and, and budget yourself a bit. But rather than worrying what all that could lead to, and you know, you just have to sort of take it baby steps. Yeah. Get yourself down here, sort out the essentials, and then everything else kind of just comes from that. Yeah. And you start to understand London as a city and how things are going work-wise. And like when when you started the mill as a runner here, I assume you still do, but we used to get sort of a lunch allowance. So, you know, you realise things that that helps out actually quite a lot, mm, yeah. you know, because London's quite expensive for food and yet you had your lunch paid for. So rather than worrying and putting yourself off, you know, coming down to London and having this career path, just sometimes you just have to do yeah. and not overthink it too much to begin with. Yeah, I like that. It's almost kind of like chunking it out rather than thinking about this big daunting kind of behemoth you have to tackle. It's just kind of take it, chunk it out. It's like project management, small chunks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, baby steps, like you said. That's really nice advice. Thank you, Nikki. Anyone else? Maya, any advice you'd give yourself? I you would agree with Nicola on this one. Like, it's very similar. So I wish I could go back 10 years and, and tell myself that once I graduate to just make that leap, move to London and <clears throat> just learn how to uh, to, to budget and, and just try and get into the industry straight away rather than trying to have like a, a day job and yeah. trying to do my showreel on the side, which essentially took me 10 years to get to this point. Yeah. Whereas I could have done that sooner if I'd have just taken that leap of faith a little bit. Yeah, nice leap of faith for sure. Thank you, Maya. Katie, how about you? Uh, quite similar, again, uh, I would say to myself to have confidence um, about applying for a job in a company like this and just kind of the mill, the name in general is quite terrifying when, you don't, yeah. when you're just approaching it and you don't really know anyone in there, but just remember those people yeah. <laughs> and whenever you get in everyone's friendly and nice and, and that's kind of well, very encouraging. Yeah. So, I think coming back to the point Steve raised about like the community of VFX, like people are really nice and love to talk about what they do, but on the face of it, it's quite any, any big studio is a daunting prospect, right? Exactly. These big award-winning, Oscar-worthy studios. So yeah, yeah it's a really nice point. Steve, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I think definitely kind of going with the theme of com being more confident than everything else. I think, um, but uh, say like adopting that tomorrow, um, kind of within department speaking to people. I think um, don't be daunted by pretty much anyone, like uh, whether it's a lead or anything, mm. just talk to them. They're just normal people who actually want to show you their stuff and yeah. uh, like it when you take an interest. And yeah, um, yeah and just uh, try and get as much knowledge from everyone in the building as you can, even if it's not necessarily the department that you're interested in. Yeah. I think it's just, just good to build those relationships and understand how Everything, the hogs work and everything else in the building. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so. And the most built on mentorship going mm. back 30 years, you know, whether it be the formal mentoring we do now or just people just taking other people under their wing, you know, I think it's something, yeah, people want to pay forward and give back. So it's a good one. Thank you. Harry? I think for me, it would be sort of, you know, not to give up and keep yeah. focused, um, you know, through any setbacks that I may have had. Um, you know, I can remember like when you're running and there might be certain tasks that you're doing, you're thinking, ah, oh, yeah maybe I don't want to be doing this, mm -hmm. but then sort of take a step back and think about, well, no, I do, because this is going to help me get to where I want to be. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just sort of keeping that determination to sort of see it through and keep training hard and 
you know, through that, hopefully, um, you know, you progress further in your career and get closer to, you know, the end goal, which for me is, is becoming an editor. But there was definitely moments when I was running and sort of, I think we've probably all been there with those moments and you just sort of think, oh, yeah, I wish I, wish I wasn't doing this. But at the same time, then you're like, no, I, I, I do, I'm glad I am because it's going to put me where I want to be. And when you look back, it just seems like such a short, short amount of time that you actually yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Is there anything you guys miss about running? What's one thing you guys miss? And just, just to kind of uh, wrap up the, the podcast, but just, you know, it was a blip and it was a short period of time, but I always get a little bit envious of kind of the running team because you all just seem to be this kind of really tight-knit crew and everybody still stays tight-knit once they kind of go forward through their career path. Well, that's my view from kind of the outside. But is there anything you miss from those heady days of running? Um, I miss hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I miss the team, yeah. Yeah. hanging out with everyone every day. Finding creative ways not to be bored. And the burner wallets that we have. I feel that I work a lot with different people. Like my projects aren't the same people every time. Yeah. So I'll have, you know, I'll get to know a lot of people, but I don't spend a lot of time with certain people. So running is, you know, you're working with the same people every single day. So you really get that kind of I don't know, like family vibe. Yeah. You, know, you become a little unit, a little family. And so now I work with so many different people on and off that you don't always get that kind of connection. Mm. But it's great that we still do things socially together outside of work. You know, we have drinks on Friday or yeah. people might go out for food. I know some of us still have like um, lunches when we go out and we make that effort nice. to try and stay in connection with each other. So okay. you don't lose everything. So nice. Just, <laughs> nice. You always keep the inner, your inner runner. That's where all those babysitters out with it. Very true. Um, so, just one more question. Um, any kind of funny little anecdotes you guys want to share from your running days? Let's, let's, let's finish light. Um, well, I am an avid patroller of the reduced sections in uh, supermarkets, and I actually was gobsmacked to find a whole rotisserie chicken in Marks and Spencer's. Should have been £6.50. It was 5p. What? And nobody could believe that I got this 5p chicken, so I obviously had to just tell everybody. And, uh, what was wrong with it? Nothing. It was just, it went out of date that day. So, oh my God, that's I mean, that dream. was me sorted. That's a dream now. I know. <laughs> Cooked it up and had loads of leftovers for, uh, the, for lunch the next day. And yeah. did you find out about this hot tip? Hot tip. Yeah. Do you get a hot tip about it? Or? Well, I was the hot tip because I noticed it and then everybody else in the shop just flocked over. Was it just one chicken? Eight. Did you oh. get all eight? I, I don't have a working freezer, so unfortunately I couldn't get all eight, but they were, they were gone in seconds. That is a missed opportunity there. Crazy. So, yeah, I mean, keep an eye out. That's that's one big, big the reduced thing. Section. Running, reduced sections can be... Is there a time kind of you go into a supermarket to get the reduced items as a, as a top tip? You know, is there a t- yeah. time of day when they get the stickers out? I just, whenever I'm in, I just check. So you, know, you never know. Good, aren't they? Yeah. Sometimes you can get like whole sharing like lasagnas and, and stuff and you can just have a little meal with your, your housemates and stuff. And so, yeah. I think it's important as well to not underplay the um, importance of loyalty cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're going to do so many runs to restaurants and you can eat for free so often with all the uh, loyalty points that you accrue. Ah. Especially if you go into Tesco, definitely get a club card. 
Yeah, and I, I, as well. So loyalty cards with all those client orders, just yeah. kind of stack yeah. them up. Yeah. That's a really are, good chart. They'll do a really good one as well. Oh, the stamp cards. Mm, yeah, the stamp yeah. cards. Yeah. And, and you can sell cards. them to each other as well. And points <laughs> cards. Which is like a racket. You guys have exposed yeah. the ra a massive racket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yumi Sushi, great. They do progression rewards, don't they? Mm -hmm. You can get a little edamame and then a few more stamps later, you get a little Upgrade. Wow, that's really good advice, actually. Yeah. Have you ever had a better chicken since that day? I mean, has yeah, any chicken never. tasted as good never as that 5P chicken? That 5P chicken? Okay, 5P chicken, guys. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, our listeners got a lot from that. So thank you and thanks for listening. There we go, end of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thanks for listening and until next time, bye.